Hey everybody, it's Nick with T Fascination and I am joined as always with my co-host Andy and we were having such a great conversation about tea growing in the U.S. in our previous episode. We knew there was no way that we were going to cover it all in one shot and we have to jump back in and keep going because we got a lot more to talk about. Andy, we got a whole lot more to talk about, don't a we? Whole, a whole lot more. I mean, I think that it is fascinating that there are tea farms popping up in the U.S., which I think is a great thing. Growing tea is an art form, in my mind, as much as an agricultural crop. And I think that it's great that it's done here in the U.S. by people kind of forging their own path, creating their own tea, processing it, and then being able to really create these wonderful palettes of, you know, and um, tea. And I do think it's a combination in my mind of art and, you know, agriculture, just because of how it's processed once it's grown. There was actually even a tea company featured on HGTV's rehab show. The show was called Hometown. And the tea company is Longleaf Tea Company. And it's owned by this couple, Hillary and Thomas Steinwinder. They decided to go on this TV show, Hometown, because they needed help turning their historic farmhouse into an event venue. So the wow. land that they currently are on was originally home to this, what they say, massive old growth longleaf pine, which I honestly don't know what it is. I'm assuming pine trees. And then their website also says, this is a quote from the website. The old farmhouse and red barn have been a gathering place for over 100 years. Now they watch over thousands of tea plants growing in the South Mississippi sun. Wow. So it's in Mississippi, clearly. Okay. And um, they have this tea, I guess this pine farm, now tea farm. And they are trying to also make it an event venue. And so... They started in 2008. So if we're looking about like, you know, that's not that long ago, but they have been around long enough to have a yield. Um, it takes about three to five years to actually yield a crop. So they, you know, they have been around long enough for that. And um, they have a blog post that kind of states how they've gone about growing tea. So it says in 2018, after our first planning, every cold snap, heat wave, or downpour resulted in consternation and concern. Over time, the tea plants have proven to be much more resilient than we thought. We have learned to relax and let the weather come and then let it pass. Whether it be green shoots in the spring, seeds in the summer, or flowers in the fall, the tea has taught us to always look forward to something to farm with optimism. I do really love that. I think I really cool. like it is really cool. I mean, A, because I love the tea plant clearly or whatever, but I do think that it's nice to know that it's a hardier plant, that it can be done. I mean, I think that provides a lot of optimism to a lot of people like myself who yeah. do want to have a tea farm, knowing that, you know, they were able to survive those cold snaps and the heat waves and everything else. Um, I would so even say- cool. I would even go as farther to say that's an excellent life lesson. That's a, like, a life that's, lesson. That's, 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 a, that's an outstanding mantra, whether it's the green shoots in the spring, the seeds that's in the right. summer or flowers in the fall, the tea teaches us to always look forward to something and yeah. to farm with optimism. And like, look, that totally applies to tea, but that can also be applicable in day-to-day -day life and the way we all have to deal with like, you know, the stresses and the challenges that we all face like from day to day. So I think that's, 
think that's outstanding. I mean, yeah, that just I adds. I love that quote. I took it. Yeah, that adds lot, so much. Yeah, I love that. I really like that. That jumped out at me when you sent me the show notes over and I was like, I'm going to have to like jump in on that because I thought that was just, it's just such an excellent observation and it's applicable in so many ways. It is. I mean, any entrepreneur can absolutely identify with that 110% over as well as probably any farmer. So um, I just, you know, I think that, or any even gardener at this point, but yeah. Absolutely. um, I do though want to talk about like from my standpoint, you know, people do wonder, and I do think about it myself, like, you know, and we've talked about a previous podcast, why there's not, you know, more tea farmers in the US. And it does, I think, come down to labor. But I wanted to go into a little bit and explain to people, you know, really from a totally, you know, bird's eye view, why it would be hard to kind of be able to have a sustainable money-making tea farm. Um, Because as I mentioned, it takes three to five years for the tea plants to begin to yield usable leaves. And I mean, three to five years, I say that is just going to depend on the type of plant that you're using and, you know, where you're at. But um, it takes 5,000 plants per acre and about $100,000 per acre when planting tea. So if you're looking you know, that you're not going to reap those benefits for five years and you've dumped $100,008 into an acre of land, that's a lot. And even for that first yield, I mean, you're not going to get, it's going to take a while. And that's not even including the equipment you need to wither and roll and dry and roast and do all that other stuff. So it's a substantial investment in terms of you know, farming, especially if you're only looking to farm a couple acres, you know, right. whereas, you know, other things like tomatoes can be farmed much, you know, you're doing a couple acres right. of tomatoes. Yeah, the, that, the growth cycle is much shorter that's and right. the work and the is investment, much less intensive. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So yeah. that's something. The other thing is that um, when you make tea, there's like a, tea, there's tea that's crushed and powdered, like a Lipton in the little paper bags. And then there's tea, it's called orthodox tea, which is the long leaf tea, which has, you know, retains all the beautiful antioxidants and everything. Sure. And that's picked by hand. And so the reason that it's picked by hand is that when you pick and process this tea, it's called a standard pluck, which is two leaves and a bud. So really, if you're thinking about like, you're looking at all the little branches and you're just grabbing off that little two leaf and a bud. I mean, it's really hard to do that unless you're doing it by hand. Sure. So that's kind of one of the other reasons, you know, it's expensive is that, you know, not only the hundred K that you've already put in to the plants and growing the plants, well, now you've got to pay labor to come pick, you know? Yeah. And, and the labor has to be skilled to a certain that's right. extent to be that's able right. to identify the appropriate way to pluck and pick. That's right. I mean, you have to, yeah, you have to take time in training the labor and then, um, you know, let's look and see how many times you're going to do this. Well, there's usually three flushes in tea. There's a spring flush, a summer flush, and an autumn flush. So we're looking at three different times a year. You got to pay the people to pluck the tea. So, I mean, that's also something else in terms of cost. It's not a once a year cost. It's a three times a year cost. Um, And then the other thing that is weird with the flushes, and I just want to say this is because, you know, even though you're looking at paying people to pick three times a year, you're not going to get the same money for that crop 
for the three flushes. So like the first flush you'll get good money for, the second flush you'll get okay money for, the third flush you may not get that much money for. And the reason is, is because the first flush is usually more desirable. It has like more of a florally taste. And then as the plants or the leaves kind of um, mature, the let's just say tougher, the meat of the leaf. Okay. 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 Yeah. So it doesn't, it's not going to taste exactly the same. So people say it has more of a muscatel taste in the fall versus the floral light taste in the spring. And just depending on palates, you know, it's kind of what you can do with the tea and how much you can charge for the tea. All that can relate to the flushes. So okay. I just wanted to point that out just because we're talking about, you know, the ROI of a tea farm. Okay. Right it it kind of seems to me like if you're in a in a situation where you're an entrepreneur or an investor and you want to you want to get rich quick, it's not going to be in huh. going into a tea farm. Yeah. That's going to be something that's going to be kind of a long-term investment. Yeah. And, and I, when I say long-term, I mean like a minimum of 5 years. I mean Min it would seem minimum like minimum of 5 years. And then and I, Oh, okay. go ahead. I'm sorry. Please, that's all right. Please. <laughs> no, I was just going to say something that you brought up earlier when you were talking about how people are able to express themselves in the way they would go about growing tea and, and everything else. And I was going to say, like, you, it's affected by the way it's grown and, and, and everything else. But it's also, I was going to say, taking a lesson from one of our previous podcasts, it's also the geography. Right. Oh, sure. Because a tea grown in Mississippi because of the soil content would taste different than a tea that was grown in maybe South Carolina, for example. Right? right. So to me, it adds like this this whole other element of like like it's it's so fascinating and so interesting that there's so many factors that can come to play in, in how a tea is developed and, and how it, it comes to be and like how it kind of articulates itself through taste. You know what I mean? I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't you know. I'm because I don't know anything about any other crops, but I mean, I do know that, you know, that is really important in tea, more important than in maybe as important as grapes and wine. But I think that's the biggest comparison that I can do in the fact that you really want to make sure that the soil is the ground and the earth and the minerals and the environment all plays into it. And I think that, you know, when tea farmers are making their tea and processing their tea, they really have to work with it versus you can't work against it. So like I said, like those muscatel flavors that are in that fall flush, well, then you have to figure out how to process it to either, if you want to enhance and enhance it or play it down a little bit, maybe you're roasting that tea and not steaming that tea or you're not doing a green tea out of that. You're making it a black and you're, you know, rolling it, you know, withering it a little longer or a little less depending. And so like, there's all of these factors that you can do to play with the flavors too. And that's when I say like part of the art and figuring out how to make a good cup of tea, all of that comes into play. And I just, I must, I get so excited talking about it. Like, I can't wait till that's me doing that. But, (laughs) you know, I look at these other people and I, you know, I just, it's, I really do admire them. I, um, I want to say that, the tea plant is an evergreen. So you always have to know that, I mean, and keep in mind that it's a camellia. So it's a really pretty plant. It has like little baby, not baby, well, for camellia, there's smaller white flowers, yeah. you know? And um, so it doesn't have like the huge blossoms that we're familiar with here on camellias, right. but it's still a really pretty plant. 
and you want to keep it, people like to keep it around waist length because if you have to think like you don't want to be bending over or reaching up if you're plucking. Right, right. You want to be able to see what you're plucking because you do want those fine, you know, well, it's those, you know, little leaves and that bud. So it's never like a tall, like it's not going to be like a sunflower field, but, you know, anyway, it does make for a really pretty landscape to just look and see like big lush green fields of these. Yeah. Just acres of tea plants like that, especially if they're in bloom. Yeah. And I mean, I do know that, you know, it does make sense to have a venue or a spa on a tea plantation and it's not anything new. There are several tea estates that have been around hundreds of years in India in particular. And then they offer everything from spots, spas to like, you know, kind of small hotels and they become resorts in and of themselves. So that's why, you know, when I hear that Longleaf Tea Company is on HTTV going through a rehab, it's not surprising because, you know, it is part of the tea culture to kind of celebrate the tea plants in such a way, you know, with an event venue or whatever, they make a really nice backdrop for a spa or inn or whatever. There's a tea garden called Glenburn in India. And it's like on my bucket list. It's been featured in Condé Nast Traveler a lot of times, along with like several other high-end travel destination magazines. And I wanted to, again, I stole from their website, but I just want to give you a caliber of this in because this was like when this is why it's on my bucket list. I mean, of course it's a tea farm, but you know, this is really sure. the reason it said. So they say all of the suites featured hand embroidered bed linens, fresh flowers from the garden, baskets of fresh fruits, bathroom with running hot and cold water. Okay. With complimentary Darjeeling green tea toiletries. Overhead fans in the rooms and hair dryers. The beds are fitted with electrical bed warmers and there's no TV in the rooms to break the tranquility. So that's kind of right. what they say. So it's a very spa-like environment. In yeah. this, and it's beautiful if you ever go to the website. But anyway, that's kind of like when I think of tea gardens, like the optimal one, that is what I think about. So I do, sure. like I said, have absolutely no shock when I hear the tea garden is also going to function as a um, event venue. Um, I think that when, you know, you think about tea or even like we were talking about wine, you think about wineries or something like that, you know, you don't think of like a dirt field with a broken back track with a broken down tractor, right? Like right. think about like, you know, an historic farmhouse that has, you know, chandeliers for, you know, I mean, yeah. that kind of stuff. And um, very picturesque, very picturesque. Yes. And, you know, I understand why it is like that. And I don't know much about grapes, but you know, the wineries that you go to too, it's like, you know, it's so picturesque and nice. And I do think that, when you have a plant that's so pretty, but you really only have like a four to five month harvesting Window. season, yeah. what are you going to do with the other seven to eight months? I mean, it's, you got to do something to increase your revenue. Absolutely. And you have this lush greenery provided by the tea plants. So it kind of begs for like a party space or a spa or something like that. Or, or a kitted out tea experience that like the, like, you know, like where you can get like, 
I don't know, different times of the year, you could focus like, like the tea service we talked about from like yeah. different regions and everything else with different flavors of tea. Uh, that, that, that would be an excellent way to, like you said, fill that downtime when you're not in your active harvesting season. No, I mean, I agree. And I like, when I think about like, you know, what people expect when they go to a tea farm, I like always compare it to apple picking. So like when I take my kids to go apple picking, they expect a hayride, you know, they expect, you know, right. it's an experience. that's right. And I think, you know, the same would apply. Like if we had a tea farm, I think people would expect that there's, you know, it, it, there's an environment where they can kind of sit down and have like a nice cup of tea or a nice afternoon tea. I mean, yes. it's, you know, so I think that you'd be amiss if you had a farm and you didn't include that. So I have to say kudos yeah. to HDTV and Longleaf Tea Farm. Yeah, because it sounds like they've got a really good approach going. I think they do. I mean, I, I think so, for sure. That's very cool. That's very cool. Well, I, I can honestly say that like, you know, when you think about, um, like, I don't know, that you talk about the the place in India that oh, you wanted yeah, to visit that's awesome. on your bucket you list, right? The website, yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to have to take a look at it. But when, <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I'm going to take a look at it. But when you think about a place like that, right, something that is very distinctly unique, and you have an opportunity, like with with a farm here where you develop your own tea and the way it tastes that's unique to that region. And it's like distinct, then you would be missing out massively if you didn't have an entire experience to oh, go yeah. along with that. Yeah, so, you know, sure. because you could obviously like cater your menu so that the things that you served in your afternoon tea would complement the taste of the tea that you're growing. I mean, there's just, I don't know, like you said, the possibilities are limitless when you start going down uh, the, the path with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that from my standpoint and my husband's standpoint, he, uh, you know, I think we've always wanted to include something in terms of education about it as well. And, you know, things like that, just because, you know, we're so into it and we can talk about it all day. We might as well share Share it with your interest and enthusiasm. (laughs) That's right. That's right. and, And to be fair, that's what we've gotten to do with this podcast. Right, because we've true. gotten to talk about so many different things in aspect in the in regard to tea, you know, so many different aspects yeah. from from red robe tea to, to you know, I mean, I, I mean, honest to goodness, like it, it all starts there, right? And we and we've gotten to go on such a great journey with this, and I really, I've really enjoyed being able to uh, to discuss all this with you, and especially when it hits so close to home, and we're talking about farms that are in the southeast and everything else. It's just been. It's been a really, really, really great trip. Andy, I think that that pretty much covers everything that we had for today's episode. And, so. and as always, I really, really do enjoy uh, the chats that we get to have and all the all the great topics that we've gotten to cover. Um, and, and everybody who's listening, uh, I'll make sure you go back and, and enjoy the entire catalog that we've done so far this season. And also be aware that we are going to be offering full length interviews right we were only able to share with you just little snippets of these great full-length interviews from the guests we've had over this entire season so please keep your uh keep keep your eyes and ears open for those episodes that are going to be dropping as well and uh, again uh that's it for me uh nick andy thanks so much uh such a great chat today obviously we've got so much more to talk about and we hope that you guys have enjoyed listening as much as andy and i have enjoyed uh having these discussions with you. So yeah, thanks. And everybody take care. Thank you. Bye.
Barone teas are artisan teas, made and mixed in small batches. Their proprietary formulas are designed for holistic wellness without sacrificing taste, so you can get all the benefits of the herbs and full leaf tea leaves along with amazing flavors. Flavors like Southern Pecan, Peach Berry, Magnolia, and Peach Blossoms bring Southern scents home to your mug. Their organic blends are packaged in biodegradable pyramid tea bags, so you know you are getting the finest herbs and teas out there without any extra chemicals. Their herbal formulas are designed to aid you on many different levels, from top to bottom and from inside to outside. Their black and green teas are made from whole leaf teas, never powdered, and that allows for more antioxidants and goodness in each cup. They believe the act of sipping a beautiful cup of tea can be just as healing as the tea itself. So go visit Barone Teas and try them out for yourself. Start your mornings with a cup of Barone Tea and help make your day a bit more magical. Tea Fascination's theme music is No Clouds, performed by Ketza. Tea Fascination is recorded, mixed, and edited by Duncross Media. For all your digital marketing needs, go to www.duncrossmedia.com. With nearly a decade's experience in digital marketing, Duncross Media is an effective and affordable option for all your digital marketing needs.